Uh, today and the next few uh, lessons, we're going to be talking about how to engage specific emotions. Um, and I can't vouch for exactly how everyone else is going to teach, uh, but what I do know is that generally what we're going to talk about is uh, for each of these emotions, I think we're going to do fear, uh, anger, uh, grief, and I think there, and I think maybe guilt and shame. Um, so we're going to talk about what is this emotion, right? Uh, how does it manifest uh, in our lives? What is it communicating, uh, and what is it motivating us to do? Um, and then we'll obviously talk about how to engage that emotion with prayer and the Word, engaging God as we engage it. Um, and so that will be walking through those four steps, right? Identifying the emotion. What are some practical ways that we can just see that that emotion's happening amidst all the jumbled mess of emotions that are happening? Um, examining that emotion. What are some practical and biblical ways that we can understand what the emotion is communicating about our values and what it's motivating us to do uh, and what it's doing to our relationships? And then obviously evaluating it, right? What does God say in his word about this emotion uh, and when it's right or wrong? Um, and then how do we sort of practically evaluate our specific instances against God's word? Uh, and then in light of all that, how do we act, right? How do we, if it's an unhealthy emotion, how do we starve it? If it's a healthy emotion, uh, how do we nourish it? So today we'll be talking about fear uh, and anxiety and worry and un unease and nervousness and panic and terror and all the other jumbled up definitions for that word. Um, this is, the word fear is a loaded word, right? Um, and a loaded emotion. And there's lots of components to it. So, what do you guys think? How, how would you define fear? Being scared of something. <laughs> Being scared of something. <laughs> That's a good answer. What else? What are the, how would you break it down? What are the, what are the elements of fear? Loss of control. Yeah. Loss of control. Not knowing what's next, loss of control, loss of certainty. Lack of clarity. Lack of clarity. Like fight, or flight. fight or flight, we'll talk about that. Yeah, so the authors of our book, um, they use this phrase, which I think is really helpful, um, even though it's a little incomplete. They say, fear is telling you that something you value is under threat. Um, there's a little bit more that we'll get into, but generally you're recognizing when I'm fearful, I'm either not safe or something I care about is not safe, um, I'm not in control, or I'm not certain or clear about what's going to happen, or sometimes all three or four of those things at once, right? Um, and I think you can generally, um, and you know, I'm sure everyone's going to have a slightly different breakdown, but for me what was helpful was breaking down fear into sort of two elements, this element of concern and this element of trembling. So concern is I value something, so I care about it, right? Um, concern involves prayer. It involves occupying yourself with the affairs of the thing that you care about in order to ensure its well-being, right? You're spending time with it. You're thinking about it. You're planning its future, um, all of those different things. Um, we can see an example of this with Paul uh, in Galatians 4. Uh, he's writing to Galatians, and starting in verse 8, he says, uh, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? 
whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Uh, and then he goes on um, down in verse 19 uh, when he, he describes his, his anxiety as, he says, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone for I am perplexed about you. So we see this huge and massive amount of concern that Paul has for the Galatians, right? Um, and then the second element is that element of trembling. So if we look at Exodus, right? Exodus 20, right after God um, gives the Ten Commandments. And so right, it's right after the end of the, the Tenth Commandment, in verse 18, we read, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die, right? Or how about uh, Daniel? If I can find Daniel, chapter 5. You've got Belshazzar. He's having the great feast. Uh, They are using the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple and they are praising the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, verse 4. And in verse 5, we read, Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace, opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. Right? So there's this trembling that's physically affecting him. Right? Um, this is sometimes related, this element of trembling is sometimes related to an awe, um, but really it's a, it's a recognition that, you know, I'm small and this thing that I'm fearing is great, right? It's a vulnerability and a, a recognition of a lack of control or a lack of knowledge and uncertainty, right? And so fear also manifests, you know, sort of cognitively and physiologically, right? If you're caring about something a lot, you're going to be distracted by it. You're not going to be able to focus on other things. You're spending all your time just sort of thinking about the thing that you care about, especially if there's a pressing concern. Um, physiologically, right, depending on how imminent the fear is, you're going to have maybe a heart racing, right, adrenaline. You're going to feel tense. You're going to feel stressed. You're, you know, sweating, right? Um, in, you know, whatever it is, your body is effectively sort of ready to go. It's, it's telling you, hey, I'm ready for fight or flight, right, which whatever it is. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But, you know, fear manifests in all sorts of different ways and kind of across maybe a spectrum or a bunch of spectra, right? You've got things as simple as just basic, I'm a little bit nervous about this thing, right? Um, think maybe a guy about to go on a date, he's, he's a little nervous, he's uncertain, but he's also excited, and there's a big jumbled sort of mess of emotions, right? Um, but there's a little bit of fear in there too. Um, fear can also be anxiety, right? Whether it's, you know, like a chronic background fear that's just manifesting anytime something you value is under threat, then all that anxiety sort of rears its head like a dragon. Um, and fear can be terror, right? Something sudden, right? You, you're just going about your day, you're, you're playing with your kids at the beach, and then all of a sudden you see the kid out in the water starting to drown, right? And adrenaline pumping, heart racing, right? You start sprinting. Um, you know, you're driving along the road and you sort of look and 
that semi-truck's getting a lot closer, and oh no, it's about to crash into you, right? And you have that terror response. Okay, so we talked about fear. It communicates what we value, right? Um, what, uh, what does fear motivate us to do? We, talk, we, we touched on this. Act in usually one of two ways, right? Fight or flight. Yeah, fight or flight. And so, it, you know, whatever, whether we're fighting or whether we're fleeing, you know, we're generally, we're seeking uh, safety and control and certainty and clarity, right? So you guys identified those things that fear is sort of threatening. Well, that's what we're trying to do in response to fear, typically. Um, and that's usually driven by that physiological response. You can see, for example, in 1 Samuel um, in 17, when you know, David gets to the camp and he sees um, all the men of Israel are afraid of Goliath. What did that motivate them to do? Run away, right? They don't want to go fight him. Um, and you can contrast that with David's fear of the Lord that motivates him to go fight Goliath, right? Um, and so that's sort of the sneak peek, right? Fear should motivate us to run to the Lord. Um, okay, but one more thing before we actually dive into engaging this. So what about relationships? How does fear uh, affect our relationships? What do you guys think? Yeah, no, that, that's good. There's a, that concern will sort of take almost number one priority, right? Um, I think other things that you see happen, especially in um, maybe un unhealthy patterns of relationships, right, is you're going to have fears that manifest as these sort of irrational extremes, uh, whether that's, you know, withdrawing, you know, refusing intimacy or clinging, you know, separation, anxiety, codependency, right? Um, these things are coming from sort of relationally based fears, right? Whether it's a fear of criticism, fear of, you know, lack of approval, maybe it's a fear of closeness because you've had closeness violated before. Um, it's a fear of, you know, a loss of a good relationship. I really care about this thing, but I've actually sort of made it an idol and I don't want to, you know, let, let that person go because I care too much about them. Um, but what we have to realize is we're engaging fears, you know, and engaging other people's emotions with them as we're trying to help them is that you know, we really have to be patient and loving here because we're all going to have fears, but they're all going to be different and other people's fears are going to look crazy to us, right? And we're like, why, why do you care about that, right? I can't, why are you acting that way? But it's coming from a very real fear, just like we have really very real fears. It's manifesting different. So we need to be patient and work through and try to identify, examine, right, and, and get to the bottom of why that's happening. Um, you know, we need to be sympathetic, as the Lord is to us, and work to engage people's fears with them. And so step one is we need to be able to identify it in other people, right? We need to be able to see, oh, that's a fear response, right, uh, so that we can understand their values and their motivations better. And then as they give us the opportunity, we got to examine it with them biblically, 
and then obviously evaluate it with them biblically and help them craft sort of action plans for themselves, but also for, for us, changing our behavior to better communicate the love uh, and presence of the Lord to them. The, the, this is actually, you know, the, the body of Christ is one of the ways that God gives to us to remedy fear, right? Um, it's one of the ways that he makes his presence known to us that we might not fear. So we have to be ready not only to engage with other people's fear, but to bring our fears to other people and to, to engage together um, to engage God with our fear. All right, let's dive into identify, examine, evaluate, act. All right, so how do we identify fear, whether it's in ourselves or other people? What do you think? Yeah. Because you, you might be deceived in your own heart as to what's going on with you. Yeah, so how can you, if you're, if you are helping somebody do that, or if you're just trying to get better at it, looking at yourself, what are some, you know, ways that we can see that something is, is fear, a fear response, right? We can't see into someone's heart, so we have to look at how they're acting. Yeah. I mean, some of it has to, you could, like, if you're talking to someone and helping them, you could ask them questions, and then, like, some of it is, like, the rhetoric that people use even unconsciously about mm-hmm. certain things can help you. Because, like, fear is also, like, anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. A lot of that comes from being fearful about things or, like, you know, it's all yeah. kind of double mess. So, like, talking a lot about the future and different things could, like, lead to mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're, you're just, you're dialoguing with them, right, and helping them sort of unearth what's going on. Uh, what about in ourselves? How do I know when I'm scared? You, you, you identify the fight or flight responses. Right? Yeah, that's right. Avoidance, not going certain places, not seeing certain people, not being in certain situations. Yep. Or being, you know, hyper-aggressive, <laughs> right? We'll say that, hyper-aggressive in a certain situation in the way in which you go about it or with a certain person, something mm-hmm. happens that causes you to... Yeah. Response that is not commensurate with what they're doing, right? Yeah, exactly. Also, like, look at like physiological symptoms of like, I mean, because there's a, I mean, if your sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, is on, that's right. Very clear symptoms that like might not be as prevalent in certain scenarios, but you can look at that and like, yeah, maybe just take a breath and be like, oh my gosh, I was really stressed. Yeah, exactly. You can see, okay, my heart's pounding right now. My adrenaline's pumping. Something just set me off. And maybe you don't even know what it is, and you can start examining that, but you realize, I'm afraid of something. Um, or you can see that in someone else, where you're talking, and then somebody mentions something, and you see them sort of and get tense. You see them physically tense up. And you realize, okay, something happened there that caused a fear response, right? There's no physical danger, right? Nothing, you know, societally has massively changed, but even just the mention of something there, right, triggered that, that fear response. Um, and, you know, obviously, remember, all of our emotions are coming in nice and ordered in single file, right? No, it's a jumbled mess. And so we're often seeing fear mixed with, you know, anger and sadness and excitement and sometimes just simple uncertainty or confusion. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the, the young guy on a date, right? It's, it's hard to tell what of those emotions is actually going on there. They're sort of all there. Um, but remembering that there's different pieces is important, especially as we start evaluating, because we have to realize sometimes one part is good and the other part's bad, right? Sometimes it's okay to be uncertain about something, but it's not okay to be afraid. 
or it's okay to be sad about something, but it's not okay to be afraid, right? So, okay, so let's start examining our fear. So the goal here is to figure out, you know, sort of before we get to evaluating, just what is the fear about, right? What's it communicating to us about what we value? Um, what's it motivating us to do, right? What do I want to do right now in response to my fear? Or what does this you know, person that I'm engaging with want to do in response to their fear? Uh, and then what is it doing with our relationships, right? So, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about this already, just dialoguing with people, just, and get, you know, just talking with them and trying to sort of play detective, right, with your emotions. Um, the authors have some, some tips here that I think are helpful, just recognizing, okay, physically where am I or is this person when the emotion comes up? Uh, and then just dissecting what does that say? What, what else is there, right, that could be causing it? Um, sometimes when, right, when do you feel this? Is it you know, every day when I'm driving home or is it whenever I talk to this person or is it at this time of year, um, right? What are the, what is the context in which the, the fear response is strongest? Um, you know, are you tense whenever you're at home? Are you sort of obsessive and clingy during the holidays? Are you withdrawn whenever you talk to your parents? Those different things can tell you something about, you know, the place can tell you, okay, well, there's something at home that you're uneasy about that's, that's causing that fear. Or there's something about the holiday season that's maybe making you fear loss of people you value. Or there's something about your parents that you fear intimacy with them. You're not talking to them closely, right? Um, and then the next thing is, okay, what are you doing after those fear symptoms, right? Are you, and the authors get really real here, right? Are you self-medicating with alcohol, you know, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, pornography? Are you avoiding the fear by hyper-focusing on your work, right? Um, at the expense of all your other responsibilities. Is your fear producing additional negative responses like grief and anger? Um, are you humbly running to the Lord in prayer and seeking comfort from his word? Or are you racing to just regain control, thinking that, well, I can fix this. I can alleviate this fear, right? Okay, so let's talk about evaluating fear. What does the Bible say? Fear not. Fear not. All right, you finished the lesson. All right, good. <laughs> um, and it says it a lot. So we'll read a bunch of these. Uh, you, you can chase me if you want. Um, see who's quicker on the sword drills. So First Chronicles. These are in no real particular order other than the order I found them. Uh, First Chronicles 28.20. 20, um, David's talking to Solomon about um, all sorts of things, but particularly building the temple. Um, and he says in verse 20, Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. All right, that's pretty straightforward. Don't be afraid. Man up and do it, right? Um, Matthew 14, 25. You've got, you know, apostles on the boat. Jesus walks out to them. And oops. you know, the uh, disciples, starting 26, uh, the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And, you know, then Peter starts to trust the Lord and then starts falling away and starts fearing again, right? Um, what about Matthew 6? Verse 25 and um, the whole section really, but just 25 and 34 say, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Uh, verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. That word there is that concern word, right? So that's that concern element about, um, of, of fear, right? You're, you're probably not necessarily even trembling here, but this is just telling you don't even be con overly concerned, right? The Lord will take care of you as he takes care of the sparrow. Um, Philippians 4, right? Do not be anxious. Uh, Isaiah 41.10. If I had my way and we had infinite time, I would just read all of Isaiah, all of Psalms, all of Hebrews, and I just spiral into reading the whole Bible. Um, <laughs> this is so good. Uh, 41.10, um, you know, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Um, and then down in verse 13, you know, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Um, 43.1. And this one, thanks to the VBS songs, I have to like actively work not to sing this one. Um, you know, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And then one of my favorites, Joshua 1.9. And we'll come back and read that whole section, but let's just start in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, so, I mean, by my count, by the way, I think it's at, at least close to 100 times, maybe more, that we have that basically either a command or at least a commendation of not fearing. Um, so what about positively. What, when does the Bible tell us to fear? Fear God. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 7.15, this is interesting. I must have missed this many times over. Um, this was a Paul basically commending a fear before biblical leadership. Um, 2 Corinthians 7.15, um, I'll start back in 14. Um, so also our boasting before Titus has, has proved true, and his, that's Titus, affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. Um, so there's actually an endorsement there, right, of a, some level of fear before biblical leadership. Uh, Leviticus 19.3 actually tells us to fear uh, our parents, fear your father and mother. And then you already, we already talked about it, but we'll read it anyway. Deuteronomy 6. Uh, well, starting back in verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and commandments which I command you. Um, and then down in verse 13. 
It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. So, uh, again, by my count, it's similar, uh, close to 100, if not more, times that the Bible commands or commends fear of the Lord. Okay, pop quiz. How many times do you think the Bible commands or commends fear over or tell us, command us to worry about something and fear something other than God? Zero, at least by my count, right? And even if there's, you can find something and sort of wiggle it in there, you're talking about a hundred to one ratio of the focus of the word of God, right? So your commands from the Bible about fear are, don't fear, fear the Lord, right? That is the overwhelming message of the Bible about fear. Even, I even went, you know, and I I started getting a little prickly here. I was like, but I, I thought my emotions were always valid, right? Or even at least sometimes valid, Right? And I, I, there's got to be somewhere in here. I flipped to Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything, right? Ecclesiastes 3 is a time for sadness. Okay, that's a negative emotion. There's time for anger. There's time for even hatred, it says in there. And nothing about fear. In fact, if you fast forward Ecclesiastes 5, what does it say? Fear God, right? So I was like, all right. Uh, guess I got to accept what the Word of God says. There doesn't seem to be a legitimate place for fear. Now, so is fear, I mean, is there any way in which fear is right? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we already read, um, you know, Galatians 4, right? You've got Paul's concern for the Galatians. It certainly doesn't seem like he's confessing sin here, right? Um, you see a similar thing in 2 Corinthians 11. Uh, verse 28. Uh, where he's, you know, he's doing his sort of crazy boasting rant where he's telling all the ways that, um, you know, uh, are they Hebrews? So am I, right? Uh, and then at the end of, um, kind of at the end, he says, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches, right? So there's this, there's this biblical concern, right? In, in Philippians 2.20, uh, Paul sends Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy's going to be anxious for you. And it's the same word anxious that's used in 4.6 about do not be anxious. Um, so I think, again, this is where, for me at least, it's helpful to consider that. Yeah, question? Mm-hmm. That is a real threat, but, you know, fearing God, it, it's above that, and it shouldn't, like, right. that caution shouldn't overrule what God's Yeah, exactly. The, f- the fear of the Lord will actually drive you to have biblical concerns for things, right? Um, but it, it's not fear in the same sense. Um, for me, it's at least, it's helpful to think of those two components of concern versus, and trembling. Trembling really ought to only be happening before the Lord, or at least his, you know, rightly delegated authorities. Um, But concern, you know, God commands concern for all the things that he's concerned about, um, you know, as as we just looked at. So, um, So how do we tell? How can we figure out 
well, is this fear that I'm feeling right now, is it right? Um, so we have to look at, well, what is that telling us about what we value, right? If I'm fearing something um, because something I value is in threat, or, what, or maybe it's just my control is under threat, right? Uh, what is that telling us about what we value? And is that thing that we value, is the thing we're concerned about, is it something God's concerned about? If not, it's a really easy answer, right? Stop being concerned about it. Um, if it is something God is concerned about, and we're trying to figure out, all right, is my concern for this thing turning into an unbiblical anxiety and fear? Well, there's some, some practical things we can do here. We can say, well, are we overly concerned with it, right? Is our concern over thing one preventing us from giving any godly concern to things two through 100, right? Um, uh, one of the things the authors talk about is just considering if I'm afraid of something that's going to happen or that could happen, what, what's the actual likelihood that that thing even happens, right? Uh, and if it does happen, what's the sort of the impact, right? And then you can measure or try to measure your proposed actions, right? Whatever your fear is trying to get you to do uh, against that, right? Is this a proportional response? Um, and then for me, something that's ha- helpful is, okay, let's say you're afraid of this thing and you want to go do, you want to do this thing to take some course of action to fix it. Well, just imagine that you do everything you want to do in the face of that fear, and then the thing happens anyway. Are you going to be at peace? Are you going to tr- say, well, this is the Lord's will? Or are you going to, does that freak you out? Like, oh, no, it can't happen anyway. I was supposed to have fixed it. All right, well, that tells you something about where your heart is in engaging that fear, right? Because if you think, well, I'm going to fix it, then you're not doing it right, right? Are you just like, okay, well, if it happens anyway, hold on, let me go back to the drawing board. There's got to be a way out of this. No, right? Um, so the biblical command is don't fear. It doesn't qualify that, right? It doesn't say, you know, well, if this thing's really, really imminent and it's really, really scary, then that's okay. And this is hard to work through because the same gift from the Lord of a right concern and a response to fearful things, right? God made your adrenaline. God made your heart, and he designed it to have that adrenaline start flowing, have that heart start pounding when something scary happens, right? Because he designed your body to have that fight-or-flight response to care for the things he cares about. Um, But we so quickly will twist that into an unbiblical fear. Um, I'm not sure I know anybody that is quite this sanctified. I certainly am not, but I'm as I was considering, you know, the example of, you know, what if you see your kid drowning, right, and you start running? Um, well, it's okay for me to be scared, right? Well, it's okay for you to be concerned, but I, as, I, as I read through, you know, those hundreds of commands, do not fear and take your fear to the Lord, I, I became convinced that Scripture makes it plain that even in the face of something horrifying like that, that even as that right biblical care for the person or for your, your child is producing that adrenaline pumping, you know, heart pounding, blood pumping, sweat pouring, you know, sprint to go save them, that you need not fear. Because the same, you know, the Lord is God. And the same God who made your adrenaline and made your heart and made your sweat glands is the God who upholds the universe. 
So if he, your maker, you know, empowers you at that moment to exercise that biblical concern to the best of your ability, and then, you know, with, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength to save the drowning person, but if you fail, God doesn't stop being king, right? God doesn't fail if you, if you can't save them. He's still sovereign. He still sits on the throne, and you need not fear. And that's really hard because it doesn't, you know, we don't want our wills to not come to pass. We want what we want. Um, but, I, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that we don't need to fear in those situations. It doesn't mean that we don't have that right biblical concern. We don't just sit back and be like, well, you know, God is sovereign and he'll save my kid. I guess I'll start walking over there, right? We, it's good that your heart starts pounding and you start running, right? Um, okay, so what are we supposed to do about this? If, you know, most of our fear response is, is, is wrong because we're not trusting in the Lord, you know, what, how are we supposed to respond when these fearful things come up? Well, we just talked a little bit about sort of that practical idea of, um, you know, responding to a fearful situation with whatever ability God has given you to address that concern uh, proportionally and, and, and resting in the Lord as you do that, right? Um, that it's not, the world does not rest on your shoulders to solve that problem, right? God is king and he has given to you whatever ability he's given to you to deal with the situation as best you can. Um, but after that, or in really before that, trusting in him. Um, on a, maybe a lighter note, they talk, the authors give some helpful advice about just after you've sort of identified your fear uh, and started examining it, that you can, you know, work to start just getting rid of those bad habits that you have in response to fear, right? Whether that's like procrastination, procrastination or self-indulgence, right? That's revealing something about how you fear. Just simple like habit forming and these sort of practical things um, can be helpful. Um, similarly, you know, physical discipline is of some value, right? If you're, you know, getting good rest and exercising and eating healthy, um, that physiological sort of downward cycle that we talked about is, is not going to be as strong, right? You're not going to, you know, get quite so, have quite such a strong physical anxiety response, and then that's not going to send you spiraling, right? Um, so it's, it's valuable to address just the practical, you know, outworkings of that, those fear responses. But far more importantly, run to the Lord, right, and meditate on his word. Uh, Psalm 56 Verse 3 and following. David is afraid when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Verse 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And then down in verse 11, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Right? So we see this very simple, simple biblical formula for dealing with fear, right? Take your fear to the Lord, and he will take the fear away. Right? Um, Is that before or after he had the traitor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> do you know? Uh, for the sake of time, I won't read all of these, but uh, Psalm 49, 5 through 9 is another one, good one. You know, why should I fear? Um, there's also that realization of, of guilt in verse 7 that 
uh, no man can ransom another. And then we see the contrasting statements to that a little bit in, in Psalm 50, or sorry, Isaiah 51, um, starting in verse 12, where we read, I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, uh, of the son of man who's made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your maker, um, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? And we see in down in verse 14, um, he who's bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit, like it talked about in Psalm 49, because here in Isaiah we're hearing about the Redeemer right, who um, takes our punishment for us. And so the greatest thing we would have to fear, we need not fear. So why would we fear anything else, right? Um, Psalm 118, um, Psalm 27, Psalm 118 talks about, you know, the Lord is with us, so we need not fear. Uh, And then, you know, Hebrews 13 quotes that in telling us, you know, Verse 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Right? Uh, Psalm 46. Sorry, about really, really doing some ping pong here. but Exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect one summing up those two things, right? Don't fear, fear God. Um, Psalm 46 is really strong about, you know, doesn't matter how crazy the situation is. Uh, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. In the middle of the earthquake, don't fear, right? Though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea. That's a really big earthquake, right? <laughs> though the waters, you know, roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, no fear, because God is king. Um, Psalm 94 says, when the anxieties of my heart, uh, I must have spelled that wrong, something there, uh, but the, your consolations cheer my soul in the face of, of my anxieties, right? Um, Psalm 20 gives us that biblical model for what to do about it, right? Some trust in chariots and horses, we trust in the name of the Lord, right? Um, Jeremiah 1, uh, 17. I'm measuring how quickly I can turn to passages to know how much I need to write the verses on my notes next time. Um, uh, God's talking to Jeremiah, and he says, uh, But you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. That's interesting, right? That's a um, fear of God produces a, or should produce a non-fear of everything else, right? Um, Because that's actually, you know, that's written in the form of a a threat, right? Don't fear them, lest I make you fear them, right? so that's, again, that, that biblical formula, right? Take your fear of the Lord, and he will eradicate it. Um, and fear, fear him as you do that. Uh, we can hop back to, to Joshua 1 and see 
from context the whole scope of how to deal with or how to prevent fear in the first place, right? Starting in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, do, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Right? So there's our biblical model, right? Bring your fear to the Lord and meditate day and night on the word of the Lord so that you know his presence, you know his truth, and you know and you will be prosperous and have good success, right? Um, and that's success by God's standards. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, right? Again, why, why do we not need to fear? Because God cares for us, um, right? Nothing can separate us, right? Um, we already mentioned Ecclesiastes 5, you know, fear God, you know, he is God in heaven, here we are on earth, therefore let your words be few, right? Um, This is, bringing our fears to the Lord like this is, is really hard. Um, I mean, maybe it's easy to, to shoot up arrow prayers and just say, well, you know, I'm scared, and so I'll, I'll pray as part of my sort of path to success, right? Um, I think, you know, we're, it's easy for us to recognize, maybe almost too much, where maybe we're wrong in having some sadness or anger about something, um, but we really don't like admitting that our guilt, or we don't really don't like admitting that our fear can be wrong. Um, we, we've made our own control an idol, right? Um, we might acknowledge that fear's not ideal. We may even sort of agree it's wrong, but our default solution is not biblical, right? We try to fix our fear problem by trusting in, you know, horses and chariots, wrestling for control, instead of trusting in the Lord and bringing our fears to him. So, What's the, what do we do? Um, face your fears with trust in the Lord and urge others to do the same, right? Don't hide yourself or the, the people you care about, your, you know, your children, don't, don't hide them from fearful things, but trust and fear the Lord. Be strong and courageous, right? Meditating on the book of the law. Uh, you know, as God said to Jeremiah, dress yourself for work, arise, do your job, for God is with you. He has redeemed you. He calls you by name. We are his. We need not fear. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you and praise you that you are sovereign and that you guide, that you uphold, direct, and dispose all things according to your sovereign will, and that uh, not a hair can fall from our heads or the heads of those we love, uh, apart from your will. Lord, we pray that we would meditate on this truth uh, that we might not fear. We pray that when fearful things arise, that we would bring our fear to you uh, and uh, sacrifice it to you, Lord. Uh, leave it nailed to the cross and run forward into fear uh, with no more fear, uh, but fearing only you, Lord God. 
uh, and seeking to do your will. Lord, we confess this is one of the hardest things you call us to do. Uh, and we pray that you would help us to engage one another as the body of Christ in wrestling with our fears in bringing them and laying them at your feet, Lord God, and in seeing your will for us moving forward and charging in headlong into fear um, with a smile on our face, knowing that uh, my God is king, that you are sovereign. Lord, we pray that you would uh, ready our hearts for worship now, that we would go uh, praise you um, and, and fear you, uh, come before you with reverence and awe. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.